I'm just wondering if we can do something this morning. Um, you know, in our house when our children were growing up, and we may still even have one of these, I'm sure we've probably all seen them. You get these little drawing sort of game things where you can write on the white, whatever it is, plastic, and then you get your little sort of roller pen, you roll it across and it rubs out what you've written. You run, get one of those when you were growing up as a kid, weren't they fun? They were awesome, eh? And what I want to do this morning is, I just want you to roll with me on this. So what I want you to do is I want you to imagine you've got one of those things in your hand right now. And you're writing down your current understanding and everything you think about God and who you think He is and what you think truth is. Okay, so you're with me? You're doing this just in your head? Okay. And now what I want you to do, I want you to grab that little side slide roll and go, and just come across everything that you think, everything that you've thought, everything about Him. So now you've got a blank page in front of you. You with me? And I want us to start from there this morning. And I want, as I said, I want you to roll with me um, because some of the things that you think about him won't be true. Some of the things that you think about him will be true. And part of what we're going to look at this morning and over the next few weeks, and I really haven't sort of got it's going to be four weeks or it's going to be six weeks. I don't know how long it's actually going to be is I want us to take that blank bit of page and imagine that none of us know nothing. Okay? None of us know Him at all. We have no knowledge of God. And today is the day that we're going to sort of try and unpack um, some things through the lens of the disciples. So part of this weekly thing is going to be look at the lives of the disciples and unpack core essentials that Jesus built their lives upon because he said I will build my church didn't he I will build my church and I build it on the revelation of myself it's a fascinating thought isn't it I'm going to build and I really wish He'd use the word people. I wish he'd said, I'm going to build people. Not going to build buildings. Not going to build destination points. Not going to build programs. I'm not going to build massive conference centers. I'm not going to build buildings to store people in. I'm going to build people. And those people are going to be changing. Those people are going to be in a constant metamorphosis of change. And so when they look back on their lives over a process of days and months and years, they'll look back and be able to look at the life they once had and now look at the life they're living and be able to give living testimony of the transformation from where they were to who they now are called being a follower of Jesus and that we as his children can give account and can be a voice to the testimony of transformation and change 
And so we are going from one measure of his glory to another, to another. We're on the journey of being made perfect, mature through his spirit and his truth. And Jesus said, I will build my church on the revelation, on the unveiling, on the unraveling of my very being myself. Thanks, guys. That's cool. And so what I'm going to talk about this morning is this very point. And that happens, Paul said, in us. doesn't really happen to us in as much as it happens in us. <laughs> that was a drum roll. <laughs> Sean's a drummer. So can we go on this journey together? We're going to unpack things like baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to unpack things like the power that's found and contained in the Holy Spirit. We're going to unpack things like the living word. Not just a book, the living word. God gives five gifts in which to build his church. He says there's this thing called discipleship that I came down. He only had three and a half years in what we classify, as you said, as administering, taking these 12 men. He was on the planet for approximately 33 years. And as we know, as a 12-year-old, he was in temples, he was speaking, he was listening, he was observing. And at the age of 30, he starts... And in three and a half years, he led 12 men on a journey. Why? Why do it that way? We're going to look at some of that stuff. On the revelation of myself, he said, I'm going to build my people. And these people that I'm building, what are they going to do? What are these people going to do? What's the next... No, you what it is, but the next line in that passage where he says it in Matthew sixteen eighteen, I will build my church, and they will overpower the gates of Hades. The people that I build push back the gates of Hades. There are people that are always on the offensive. The Bible says that people, kingdom people. Take the kingdom by force. What does that mean? Do they come with guns and swords and shields and physically take it? No. They are actively pursuing the reality that Jesus died, paid for, created at Calvary. And they are coming into that reality more and more and more. It's a spiritual reality. So you can't enter it through the flesh. You can't understand it through the flesh. You can only enter it and understand it on the revelation of me. And that revelation is in you. That's why angels can appear in rooms and stand in front of you and you're not altered at all. Pretty cool thing, isn't it? Anyone had an angel come in their room? I've had lights in my room. 
I believe that was the Father himself. I am the light of the world. He came, I called out, he came. But you know what? It didn't alter me because it was external of me. When Jesus stood before Philip, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father. And what did Philip say to him? Show us the Father. What part of that didn't you get, Philip? Hold on, let's do this again. Okay, maybe maybe someone was playing drums and guitar and the electric guitar was going down. You didn't hear this. If you've seen me, you've seen my Father. Show us the Father. And Jesus said, how long have we been together? Three and a half years we've walked together. You still don't know who I am? The Father and me are one. If you've seen me, you've seen my Father. You've seen your Father, you've seen me. How can Abraham see Christ before he ever was? But that's what John 8 teaches us. He saw Christ, he saw the day and received it and was moving towards something far greater. Yet the man stands in front of the Christ and he can't even see him for who he actually is because he had not yet had Christ revealed in him, but he would do. He would do at some point. That's why we're going to look at what a baptism in the Holy Spirit actually does and what it performs and what power of the Spirit does. Do you know, firstly, power loosens you from you. His power comes and cuts you from you. So you're actually able to participate in the call because there is something now greater in you than you that's creating a shift and a change. You know we need that. That's why Jesus said, don't leave anywhere until you go to that room and receive the power from on high so you're going to be able to go to the ends of the earth. If we're trying to go to the ends of the earth without the power given, guess what? You never make it out your front doorstep because you're so consumed with yourself and your worries and your stresses and your finances and your children. Everything in life just consumes you and you never get out your front door. So she just said, I'm going to build my people and my people will be built on the unraveling, on the unveiling of me. Not their image of me, not their perception of me, not who they've possibly been taught I am, but who I actually am. For who I am, the fullness of who I am. Do you know, realize that the fullness of God actually freaks us out a little bit because we've created images of him in our heads and when he doesn't match that image, sometimes we can actually be propelled away from him instead of running to him. So the God that says, I created you before you were formed, I wrote everything down before ever it was, your whole life has been mapped out for you I think that freaks us out a little bit when we start thinking about, well, does that mean that God knew Paul was going to be a Pharisee and he was going to kill the church and he was going to actually do that and that was God's plan for him? Yeah. 
And then God was going to call him when it was God's fitted time and then turn him around and go, now you're going to play in that team. Does that mean God had all that mapped out? Yeah, it does. Now, does that freak you out? Is that image of God a little bit hard to swallow because of the image that you created, maybe wrongly, rightly, and your head says, no, how can that be the case? See, on the revelation of who I am for who I am, I build. Not who you think I might be, or not who you've been told I might be. And there is a tension that we have to walk in in coming to understand and know him for who he is, isn't it? There really is. I love the picture of the coin. It's two-sided. Coin's two-sided, isn't it? The kingdom is two-sided. There's two sides to the kingdom. But actually, where we have to walk is on the edge. If you turn a coin up on its edge, it's a fine line. But when you grab the coin and you roll it, it takes off on its edge. And we have to take an element of this truth and an element of that truth, and they are truth on their own right, and then bring them together for the fullness of what he's saying. And that needs to happen in us. Not to us, in us. And so we use this statement when we say, I will build. He says, I will build my church. What do you notice about that statement? Who's doing the building? And who's being built? So then why do we have statements or leadership conferences like this one? Can you put that up for me? Are we called to build his church? See, this is so subtle, and I believe without even realizing it, we deceive ourselves. See, we've all got this religious itch, and it needs scratching. I've got to do something. I've got to do it. It's even put in there by God, but not defined by God gets us in trouble. I've got this itch, man, it needs scratching. Men especially. I've got to do something. My worth and my identity is in my doing. Have you been to places where they say men need to be active to be followers of Jesus? Give them something practical to do. Where do we find this garbage? It's real garbage. Yes, men are practical. Yes, men do things. But men don't need to find this to find Christ. They need to find Christ. Because it's not built in the physical. It's built in the spirit. And a man that finds the spirit of God, the revelation of God, is a man that is active in his faith, leading his family into that reality. And that's what this nation needs to see. But we have these things and they're so subtle. We are all called to build his church. No, we're not. We're called to be built by the builder. Our role is to submit to the building process. If you get ahead of him, guess what you start doing? You start building in your idea of the patterns that are us. And we see it everywhere. He builds his church. We submit to the building process.
You see, if this was actually accurate, I think the church would look different. Wouldn't you? And even though Paul says, I was the master builder, and I build on the foundation, you need to read that through the lens of the spirit, not the physical. You need to realize he's actually not saying, I can do the work. He says, I am full of the power of God, full of the spirit of God, and I'm being a voice for a reality. But I know that the Holy Spirit needs to take what I say, which is living knowledge in me, and the Holy Spirit needs to illuminate it to the people. And I have a grace apostolic gift on my life. And when it's released, and when it's heard by faith, and received by the heart of faith, it performs a work, but it's the Holy Spirit that performs the work. I don't. That's why he says, Apollos watered, I planted, but God causes the growth. And we can't confuse those two with thinking, actually, you know what? I can't give anyone my revelation. I wish I could. You can't give me your revelation. I wish you could. We can't take out Hezekiah, his true knowledge of God, and go, now I'm going to wham it in Jaden. That would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? See, we're making a bit of a mess of it as it is. Never mind if God gave us the real authority to do it. And in fallen state, what would happen? Might it be scary? What we can do is we can communicate. Paul was communicating. He communicates something here. It's his revealed knowledge of Jesus Christ. And he writes it for you and I. He's in a constant state of prayer for the church at the time and you and I praying I'm on my knees before the Father in heaven in which every name is written hoping and believing that the people your people Lord will hear and receive and come into the full revelation of Jesus Christ I've written maybe 13 maybe 14 books to demonstrate and to put in paper God, the whole book screams God on the revelation of God. I build my people. The high goal of God, purpose, is our transformation. God's ultimate, I believe, purpose for his church is the transformation of the church into his image. That's his high goal. So if I go back to the start, when I started, can you look at your life and go, you know what? I'm different. I'm a different person today than what I was the day that I committed my life. Or do you look the same? If people were to track, if, if, if you could track your life, is your life pretty much the same? If it is, can I say God has so much more for you than staying the same? There is a whole reality that he opened up at Calvary and said, come on, I'm going to come in behind the veil to the Holy of Holies. Do you want to follow me in? But it's a spiritual reality. It's not a physical one. You can't work me out in the physical. There's no degree that you can find on the planet that's going to figure me out. That is wisdom that is foolish compared to the wisdom of my kingdom. 
The way into this kingdom is like a child with humility of heart and hunger of heart. That's all you got. Leave all your HDPs and your TPSs at the door, thanks. Your degrees. Those were just the letters that came out. You got ears to hear? What Greg says, you're doing well. All your master's degrees, all of this, all of that, they're going to stay right at the door, burn them up. It's a completely different reality you're about to learn. And you've got to come like a little five-year-old if you've got any chance of understanding it. But the proud man goes, no way, Jack, I can figure God out. I got my HDP in this. I'll tell you how this all works. Oh, yeah, I fill my head with this. He says he's this. I know who he is. Got it all down pat. There's only that much that I don't know. Did you know that? They'll even give me an HDP in Christianity. Woo! I'm shaking and moving here. You can have absolutely no knowledge of him and you've been brought up in a Christian home. Do you realize that? No knowledge that sets you free. What you have is information. It's good, but it doesn't do anything to you unless the Holy Spirit ignites it. I'm going to build my people on the revelation of myself. I am spirit. I am truth. It is me. And this is how the church always should have started with this understanding. Because what it does, it creates incredible humility in every one of us. Because we all go, my goodness, we are absolutely in trouble if he doesn't lead us into him. And we're all now on the same page. No one's thinking they're more highly than they ought to. That's Paul. Don't think that you've arrived. Don't think because you've got this or that you are any better. And that's why I said if we could all start with a white page and then go right now, arm in arm, because I think that's how we're supposed to walk, in oneness and a unified position, honoring one another, loving one another, we're going to try and figure this God out because we've realized it's impossible to figure him out without him. And none of us know him. In fact, unless he drew us, we're absolutely going the other way. Who is this God that we sing about, that we worship? And he says, I want you to know me. But it's on the revelation of who I am in you that you'll start to have this real spirit life coming and being birthed. We've sold people a lie. Not intentionally. But we actually have. We, we do things not realizing what we do. We think programs are going to do it. So we create the greatest programs. And sure, if the Holy Spirit turns up in the program and starts doing his work, absolutely. Programs aren't the problem, it's our heart, it's our understanding. We think if we can create meetings and do better meetings, we have better music and better lights and better this and better preaching and all those things, it'll happen. But we're doing this and we're continuing to do it. And I don't know, I don't see that much change. Last Sunday was a classic example. Different Sunday today. You see, we are defined. Our lives will be reflective of the God we know. 
The love we have for him is anchored in the knowledge we have of him here. The choices and decisions, the priorities that we will make and have are eternally determined by the actual knowledge you and I have. Have you ever stopped and asked yourself why you love some things the way you do? Have you ever just stopped for a minute and gone, I love my job. It's not a job. It's who I am. And gone, why do I love it like that? What's in me that causes me to love this thing like that? And then you think about that and you think, would you ever be late for that thing? No way. Are you investing into it? Yes, I am. Is your time, is your energy, is your focus, do the decisions you make align to that thing that you love so much? Yes, they do. You see, the principle applies in everything and to God. If you really love him and know him, and he's calling you to love him and know him, he's calling me to love him and know him on the revelation, guess what? My whole life just naturally aligns to the thing I love. So we have to be honest. Can we be honest today? Okay, Shirley says. You know, I love that movie. I want the truth, but you can't handle the truth. That is true. The church can't handle the truth. I can't really handle the truth. I say I want to, but I can't handle it. Because when the truth comes and it says, I'm truth, I get exposed. So can we actually just be honest and say, you know what? I love this thing and I'm, my whole world's around it. I spend time, priorities, decisions, I'm consumed by it. And look at it, my life flows to it. And I take my relationship with him and I go, well, the reason why I love that is because there's something innately in me that loves it. It's not wrong in itself. It's authentic worship, isn't it? I watch the World Cup and I see authentic worship. Anyone else? I see men and women crying when their team loses. I see men and women and children laugh and are joyful and crying when their team wins. I see every emotion. Isn't that authentic worship? I see people spending thousands of dollars to go on the other side of the country to watch a few guys kick around a ball, and if you're lucky, you see someone bite somebody. And I'm still hurting because he's left Liverpool. But I see people spending their dollars. Not in their own country. Man, we've got to get on a plane, get on another plane, get on another plane, put up with 35 degree heat when you're English and you're white and you're pasty. And it's like, mate, but I'm going to do it to watch the thing I love. You see, there's an innate thing in people, authentic worship. Why? Because they love the thing, they're God. And their lives reflect it. So we've got to be honest and say, do our lives look like that with him? And I don't say that, but I just say it to make a statement, to make a reality, because it's the truth. And God's like, going, man, I wish they would stop lying to themselves and just go, it's okay, because I love them, but I have so much more for them. But can we be honest and just say it as it is? 
Because I've got so much for them, but it comes through the revealing of myself. Not through going to this and going to that and being here and being that and putting on facades. We've done that. We're doing that. And it's time to stop. Because something's coming. Have you noticed what's happening around the globe? And I don't know when. I'm not interested in when. I'm interested in why. But as it gets darker, the church needs to know Christ because it's going to be that that's going to make the difference between whether you stand up or whether you're swept away. And he's screaming this to the church at the moment. It's what the bride's all about. Do you know me? I love you, but do you love me? Will you live your life? Will you give me your life? Will you lay it down? But before you can do any of that, guess what? Peter, how did you know I am the Messiah? Because flesh and blood didn't teach your son. It was my father revealed it to you in you. Paul then teaches us in Galatians 1, 13 to 15. He says, do you know who I was? No one taught me the gospel. It was revealed to me. This is who I was. I was someone that was killing the very thing I now love. And until God, who called me, chose to reveal the Son in me, that's when life went, man. So you've got to capture this. This isn't just nice words on the page. The man is writing his reality for you and I. He's praying that you and I would come into his reality, not just his textbook writings on a page. He wants you and I living in the reality of God. Because he was. That's why he's on his face most of the time praying for the church, praying for us. Do you understand that? This isn't just a theoretical book. This is the living word of God. A man saw things and he wrote it and said, you know what? It can be your reality as well. But where are we at? Because it's on the revelation of himself. Let's just come with me to Galatians 1. I'm going to read this. I never start the timer. I'm a shocker. Oh well. You can tell me when to stop. Galatians 1. I'm going to read this fast. Okay, from 11. It's funny, isn't it? My title says, Paul defends his ministry. Paul has to defend his ministry. Who too? He's writing to the churches. That's interesting, isn't it? For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it. Hold on a minute. The guy knew the scriptures upside down, back to front, inside out. Now he's telling you, pretty much, I knew nothing. This New truth, the truth. But I thought that was truth. I thought I knew the word. I thought I knew it all. No, no, the truth, which doesn't come through the form of man. doesn't come through flesh and truth. It's spirit and truth. 
It was revealed directly from heaven. Nor as I taught it, I received it through a revelation. Everyone say revelation. Of who? Jesus Christ. So the knowledge I received, I received it from a revelation from Jesus directly. Have you heard of my former manner of life in Judaism? How I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism, flesh and truth. Man, I was nailing this. I was all over it. It's just the problem when the guy of the whole thing turned up, they missed him. Good job. We can do exactly the same. Uh, and I was advancing in Jesus beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, even the pride. We do this. So how many theological degrees have you got, Jaden? Four. I've got ten. You don't know them as well as I know them. So sit, sit down. You know what? Truth brings humility. Cracks me up. People say they're in truth and they're as proud as. No, no. Truth births humility. No humility, no truth. See? We just think it's all here. And yet the demonstration of it's not in us. So guess what? You've been hoodwinked. You're not in the truth. You're in something, but it's not the truth. Because the truth sets you free. The truth causes change. The truth causes transformation. The truth causes love. The truth causes joy. The truth changes a person. And God says, I want the truth in the church. So the church looks like me. Why? Because I want my church to be free. To experience the fullness of everything that was bought, paid for, delivered on that day that I went there, then I went into the ground, then I came back up. It's untapped. It's phenomenal. We've got to go after it. If you're passive, it'll just pass you by. Who wants to, anyone want to, I don't want to settle. Anybody want to settle? Enough is enough. What's that? Um, so he was being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. I could just preach on this all day. I'm going to quickly get through it. Go back and read this stuff though and just look at it. It's phenomenal. Here we go, verse 15. But when God, who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb, so the man was set apart for this very day, even though he did what he did. We've just given you his job description, his resume. And called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal, say reveal, reveal, unravel, unveil his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Where did the revelation come? In the man. 
The man's life was altered when the revelation of the Son from the Father came in him. Not around him, in him. See, God gives you these pictures. He gives us these pictures to reveal and show ourselves as well. Look at this. Look at that. Look at this. It's not just about a man. Can we see the spiritual typologies that are happening here? The shadows that are happening. Come with me to Matthew now. Matthew uh, 16. Matthew 16. And we're going to pick it up at 15. But this is where Jesus is asking everybody, you know this well. Who do the people say that I am? So he's actually asking everyone, why would he do that? Why bother? Because he knows the church he's building is built on the revelation of himself. So who do you say over them? Terry in the far corner, who do you people say I am? You're a prophet. Some say you're a teacher. Some say you're a good guy. And he just turns he says, that's interesting. Peter, who do you say I am? He's looking. And he says this, verse 15, 16. Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. There's that word reveal again. The unveiling, the unraveling, the revealing of. But my Father who is in heaven revealed this. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, not Peter, upon the revelation of the Christ, I will build the church. So here you're seeing it. Paul says, when the Father was ready, he chose to reveal the Son in me. Peter, where did you get your revelation? Because everyone's telling me I'm not actually who I am. They're having good stabs in the dark and they're having good guesses, but they haven't yet come to a revealed position where they know I am the Messiah. So where did you get yours from? Oh, it came from my father. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. What is flesh and blood? When God started speaking more and more about this in Cambodia to me, I asked him, I said, God, what's flesh and blood? He said, any information that comes that hasn't been revealed through me. So right now, it's flesh and blood teaching you. A person can be in a revealed position of Christ and speak that reality out. That doesn't mean that you come into that, does it? It means you can. The Holy Spirit can grab what is being said. Your heart is fertile. It's hungry. It's like chubba-chum-chum-chum looking for truth. Like Thessalonians says, the word that's received by faith, it gets spoken out. It grabs hold of. The Holy Spirit then reveals it and boom! Revelation of that truth in you means you've now come into a revealed position of truth. But if that doesn't happen, it just stays out there in the atmosphere. It's in me, let's per se, me using an example, but it's not necessarily in Danielle. It's out there somewhere. It's still, I stand in front of you, Philip, but you don't know who I am. I'm telling you who I am. John 4, I am the Messiah. When the Messiah comes, oh, by the way, here I am, Jeanette. 
And Jeanette says, hey, come, I think I found a man. Could he be? See, what's being demonstrated? It's not yet revealed in. Because the language, the mindset is still seeing Christ as man. Peter, sorry, Philip is still seeing Christ not as the oneness. He doesn't get it. So flesh and blood can be a nice Christian household that you've been brought up in. Mum and dad took you through like we're called to do. But guess what? There was no revealing of the Christ. It's my greatest thing I've asked him with my own children. I can't give them this reality that you put in me, Father. How do I? He says, pray, 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 and pray, and seek for them, and believe for them, and pray, and share. Yes, you can't build the church. I build your children, Greg. But you can walk beside, you can encourage, but what you can't do is give them. That's so frustrating for me. I want to give them what he put in me. Because I know the difference it's making in my life. But I can't. Flesh and blood can be a nice Christian household. Good stuff. How many people have been brought up in the church? An environment? Been raised in it? It's great. Awesome. But that doesn't mean that you know him. That doesn't mean you're going to change. In fact, it can actually go the other way. It can lead you into a false sense of knowledge that actually deadens you because you actually think you know him. If you knew the gift that was standing right in front of you, you'd ask. But because you don't know it, you don't think to ask. See, there's a reality, but you're not asking for it because you don't know the one of the reality. Can you hear? See, we've got, to, we've got to be honest and we've got to ask these big questions and we've got to get all the masks off because it's for us. My heart is that my children, you, me, us, would receive everything, the fullness of what he has for us. That's my heart. I'm laying my life down. Me and Danny are laying our lives down for that. Why? Because I love him. I love him. I'm not ashamed to say I love him. Why? Because I found him? No. Because I'm super cool? No. Because I thought I'd be really clever and start reading the Bible? No. Because he revealed himself in me and has continued to through his living word, spirit and truth, as I have let go and move this way. Let go of the kids. Let go of the wife. Let go of the house. Let go of the family. Let go of going to the World Cup. Let go of raising funds so Louis Suarez will come back to Liverpool. Let go of all that stuff that causes anxiousness and worry and heavy hearts. And now come and follow the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you may never get that stuff back, but you know what? You don't even care. Because what you're getting trumps that 100-fold. And then if you do get it back, you now carry it. 
openly. And it doesn't kill you. It doesn't burden you. You're free to love like he loved. Why? Because of this revelation that you've received in and a continuous revelation. Where your treasure is, there you find the heart. So the question is, let's go after him and get to know him because I guarantee you this, if you know him the way that I know Paul's talking about and what I'm trying to communicate, your life will change radically. It'll radically change. You'll have a want to that you've never had before. You'll have a love you've never had before. Everything will align itself. Everything. Tell me, everything will align itself. I'm not saying it'll be nice and rosy. Don't hear, I'm not saying that. But there are things through choices that you've made and consequences of that are negative. They'll still be there. But you know what? You'll have a love to overcome them. You'll have a power in you to overcome them. That won't be killing you. This will uplift you. And it's the power of that that enables you to walk through that in righteousness and be set free of that and overcome whatever that is. Where? On the revelation of Jesus Christ in the church. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I want to I want to thank you, Lord, for who you are. I want to thank you, Lord, for these awesome people. My brothers and sisters in Christ, your children. I want to thank you for the work, the authentic work you are doing here today. You'll do it tomorrow. You did it yesterday. You're building your people. And Lord, you're looking and all we have to do is turn and start asking, seeking and knocking. Lord, help us, Father, to do that even. Lord, Paul said, the things that I want to do, I never end up doing. I end up doing the very opposite. My nature is so powerful, it just takes me away. And so, Lord, I pray, even though we have and haven't spoken about it today, your power would just come and it would sever the self-ties that live in every one of us. It would come like a knife, a double-edged sword, and it would just cut the self-centered nature that we all have, and we would be loosened from it today and empowered to move towards laying our lives down, giving of our lives, Father, Reveal your Son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, in our hearts, Lord. And continue as we move forward to reveal Him in us, Lord. That we would experience this incredible love that we sing about. Your love is like fire. Well, I pray it would be. I pray the reality of that. It is, Father, but I pray for the reality of the fire in the hearts of everyone here today and everyone who's not here today. I pray that would be a tangible experience and an ongoing experience because it's fully available 
And it's real to have that when you wake up and when you go to sleep and when you wake up, not in moments when it's needed, but continuous flow of fire. There is one who will come and baptize you with fire, said John the Baptist. And here he is, the Messiah. And so, Lord, as we position ourselves, as we posture ourselves to receive over the next weeks, I pray that we would do our part and just submit to the building process. That in agreement that we would give you our yes, Lord. How can two walk together if they don't agree? Well, that can be us and you, Father. If we don't agree to walk in the direction you're walking, then the work won't happen. And so, Lord, today, I thank you for what you've spoken. I pray you'd unscramble it so people can hear it the way you intended it. And that we would be changed measure by measure and grown on the living word of your spirit and truth. In Jesus' name. Amen.